0: Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's about to send them out on a mission. He's about to send them out on a mission. I want you to listen to what he tells them. It says, after this, the Lord, he appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus told him, the harvest is, what? Let's say it loud. Come on, we got that extra hour. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are Jesus is saying, harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of harvest. A lot of harvest. Miami's ready. City's ready. Jesus says, look, it's ready. But there's few laborers. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, says Jesus. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. You, when, when you enter into a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Look at verse 9. Sorry, I almost choked on a cracker of communion still. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. I want you to tap three people around you and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. I got a message this morning that I've titled, I'm on Mission." Come on, I want you to tap four people around you and tell them, I'm on mission. (laughs) Come on, anybody believe we're on mission this morning? As always, we are living, breathing on mission. We're going to talk about this today. And out of this passage, I want to kind of uh, unpack it and share it with you for the next about 25, 30 minutes around this passage I'm on mission. If this is your first or second time here, we're glad that you're in the house. And maybe you're wondering what's going on. We're just a bunch of people who love God because he loved us first. And uh, we're glad you're in the house. I believe this is the best place you could be on a Sunday morning. I know you could probably be at the beach, at a barbecue, hanging out with family. But I believe coming to God's house first, you'll never regret it. You'll never walk away worse. You'll never walk away smaller. You'll always walk away bigger with a bigger vision of God for your life and for your future. Anybody believe that? Come on, God is good. Before we do begin, I do want to uh, just to take a moment to pray. As many of you heard, uh, Pastor Rick Blackwood is here in our city. He is a legend. He is a general of the faith. I love this man. Uh, Miami needs a strong Pastor Rick Blackwood. I thank God for Christ Fellowship Church. They're an incredible, incredible church. I thank God that he sent Pastor Rick uh, Blackwood to the city years ago, and what he has done is immeasurable, invaluable. There's no price to what he's done to uh, put forth the kingdom of God in this city. And uh, last week it was announced that he's battling cancer now. Um, that He did go into surgery on Monday. They're waiting for the test results. I don't know if they will say in today in Christ Fellowship, but we at Calvary, we're going to stand with our brothers and our sisters. We're going to stand with Pastor Rick Black. We're going to pray for him. We're going to believe that God is a healer and that God will heal him, restore him, and lift him up. And uh, we're going to believe for total health and restoration. Amen. Can you join me in prayer? Come on, let's close our eyes, bow our head. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for everything that you're doing in this city. God, we thank you for Miami. We thank you for this series, God, as you're opening up our eyes to show us to reach, help, love this city around us. And right now, as a community, as a church, we want to lift up a general in your kingdom, God, Pastor Rick Blackwood. God, we thank you for his life. We thank you for everything that he's done over the last 20, 25 years of his life, building this church, building the kingdom of God here on earth. God, we pray right now, wherever he's at, that your healing hand may touch him right now. God, we pray for total health over his life. We pray that that cancer has to go in the name of Jesus, God. We believe that you are a healer. We believe that you are a restorer. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his wife's life. We thank you for Christ's fellowship. God, we pray that you continue to go before them, come behind them, and surround them in the name of Jesus, God. We pray that you restore him a thousand percent, God. Heal him right now in the name of Jesus, God. We're going to believe for a miracle in his life. Keep him strong. Let, Let that peace. God that surpasses our understanding be with him God we thank you for that church thank you for how they've loved and served our city God be with them in this moment now as they look to you and be with us here this morning as we look into your word God we ask that you may lead us and guide us it is in Jesus name all God's people say come on 11 a.m all God's people say can you give God one big shout of praise come on 11 a.m big shout of praise How many Hispanics are here? Hispanics, Hispanics. I think almost 100%. Okay, a lot of Hispanics in the house. Anybody love, I think we all like reminisce on stories on growing up in Hispanic households. You know, they're just different. They're, they're not the same. For example, uh, Hispanic moms are very famous for la chancleta. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Okay. Uh, growing up in a Hispanic household, there was a lot of things that I had to witness. Pray for me. I'm still trying to get over them. Um, for One of the things, Hispanic parents, I don't know about your parents, but my parents, um, I love them dearly. They're here. But one thing is, uh, rules that were in the house. Uh, Um, You could not sleep over a friend's house. How many know that? Why do you want to sleep over somebody else's house when you got a bed right here? Yeah, mom, but we're friends. We're hanging out. No, no, no. You got a bed. I bought that bed. I'm paying for this AC. You're going to consume it. You're going to sleep in it. You're going to stay right here. Growing up in a Hispanic household, it is not always easy. Growing up in a Hispanic household, you ask where the trash can is. You don't have a trash can. You have a trash bag. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get a trash bag stuff in Hispanic households. Um, For example, Saturday mornings, there is no sleeping in on a Hispanic household. We were at youth group till 12, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, hanging out, went out to eat with friends after church. We would get home late. We were hanging out with some friends. At 8 a.m., 8 a.m., my mom would burst into our room. I mean, just kick open the door, karate style. (laughs) Open the blinds, open the windows, she has some Marcos Wheat or Jesus Errano Romero blasting down the hall. Alimpia, let's go, it's time to clean the house, come on, it's time to get out of bed, ain't no sleeping in, in this house. All the the Hispanic moms, shout a big amen. (laughs) My God, a lot of great things. Hispanic parents, for example, one of the things they do, and I appreciate this for the rest of my life, is they want to make sure you are a worker. They want to make sure you work from a young age. There is no lazy people in a Hispanic household. You better work, 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 work. I remember... My dad, my dad, uh, to this day, has his own business, self-employed, awesome business. From a young age, he used to work in this small garage, I'll never forget it, a house in Hialeah, we had a small garage, and he used to work in the garage, and I remember from a young age, it, it watch cartoons, or, or or do anything at night, no, no, you're going to come into the garage, you're going to work with me. Dad, I don't understand what to do, I'm only nine years old, I can't even carry a hammer, I mean, no, you're going to sit next to me, and you're going to work, you're gonna, here, grab the drill, at least help me with, with the drill, and I, the drill's bigger than my hand, dad, I I I can't, this is crazy. But you are are going to work. And I never knew the exact plan that my dad had. I didn't know what the project looked like. I was a little too young. I didn't understand. But what I started to notice and what I started to comprehend is that my dad wanted me to work alongside of him. I didn't have to understand it all. I didn't have to understand the entire plan. I didn't have to have the finished product in my mind. What he wanted was for me to stand next to him and be a co-laborer with him. Can I tell you, church, that our father in heaven God has a plan for this city. He has a dream for this city. He has a plan and a purpose, and he wants you and me to be co-laborers in the kingdom of God. He wants you to work alongside of him. He doesn't want us to sit back and just let him do the details. He wants you to be included in the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, come on, God. This is the God that we have, church, that he wants us to work alongside of him. He doesn't want us to be the type of people that just sit back and say, God, I'm praying for the city. I hope you do everything amazing. No, he says, I've called you into the kingdom. I've called you with a purpose. I've called you with a plan. I want you next to me working as a co-laborer in the kingdom of God. Oh, I wish somebody at 11 a.m. really understood that God has a plan for our city. We love Miami. Believe in God for Miami. And we are in this together to serve and love our city. I don't know, but but Alex, the gospel, I mean, i just like to come to church and chill. I'll have a little cafe. You know, i just like to chill. Listen, when we understand that God has called us for such a time as this, the moments are crucial. The days are crucial. The days are vital, especially right now in the the moment our city and our nation is in. It is not the moment to sit back and chill. It is the moment to get our hands on the plow and be kingdom people and understand that God wants to use us in the kingdom of God. Oh, come on, church. Come on, I wish you really knew God wants to use you and me. Church, when we understand this, there can't be any complacency and there can't be no passiveness in our life. It does not, it does not come with the call of God over our life. There can't be this, this lazy type of attitude in the kingdom of God because God wants to use you and me in his kingdom. When we understand the vital times, the Bible, not the Bible, there's a saying that says desperate times call for And I wonder if we have this kind of urgency in our life to understand, man, the time is now. The moment is right now. I'm not waiting on a pastor to share a message. I'm not waiting for somebody to stand up on a platform with a Bible. God can use me right here where I am, in my work, in my school, in my neighborhood, with my family. The time, it is right now. We have to to live with urgency and with passion. God wants to use us right now. I wonder this morning, maybe we've been thinking, well, God doesn't want to use me. Maybe we've been a little bit passive. Maybe we've been a little bit, uh, I love Miami, but I love it from a distance. You know, I love my neighbor from a distance. If you only knew my neighbor, they have a bunch of cats and they're vegan. I don't like him. But God wants to use you to love on them. God wants to use you to reach somebody. God wants to use you to open up your mouth, regardless of the person next to you. That's what we try, we've been trying to say through this series. The time is now and the people are us. We have to. Open up our mouths and share the gospel. We have to open up our mouths and understand that God has put something inside of you and me. And the time, the moment, the days that we're living in calls for action right now. The church can't be asleep. The church can't take a back seat. The church has to stand up and do it now. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. They're there hanging out. and He's about to, listen, Jesus is so awesome. He could do it all, but he sends them out two by two by the way that just shows me life is always better in pairs life is always better in a circle if you're doing life alone god doesn't want you to do life alone god wants you to do life in accountability in a circle in community he sends them out two by two because the bible says one can make a thousand run but two makes ten thousand run and he sends them out says i want you to go out and tell people about my kingdom he says because the harvest it is plentiful that means the moment right now the harvest it is ready The city is ready. Wherever you're going, people are ready to receive the gospel. That's what he's trying to tell them. But the laborers are few. Pray that more laborers come into the field. Church, can I tell you, Miami is ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Miami is waiting to hear an answer. Miami is desperate. Miami is thirsty looking for the fountain of life. You and I have the answer and he's saying, I want you to go into the city. I want you to speak to that co-worker. I want you to speak to that boss. The moment is now. It is not tomorrow because tomorrow it is not promised. I wish there was a church that really stood up. Open up their eyes and say, wait a minute, God wants to use me right here, right now. The moment is now. The harvest, it is ready. The harvest is ready. God's called us to be on mission. Come on, t- tell somebody I'm on mission. Come on, tell somebody I'm on mission. We are on mission and the moment is now. I want to share with you three quick keys that I think can help us understand what God has called us to do in moments like this and how we are to live our lives and what our mortality should be. Number one, write this down. We haven't been called to be spectators, but participators. That's right. Oh, no, I just, I'll just sit back. I'll relax. I'll enjoy the songs. I'll enjoy a nice little cute message. Hey, you know what? Statistics show that after three hours, you only remember about 30% of a preaching. So a message is not really going to save anybody. It's a community of people loving one another. God has called us into action. The the, the gospel that we believe in, the Jesus that we follow in, it is an action gospel. It is a gospel that says you cannot sit back. We are not called to be bench warmers. We're not called to be pine riders. Can I tell you something? The coach has already called you into the game. You are in the game. It is go time. Our city's dying and we need people to stand up and preach the gospel of Jesus. I think at 9 a.m., I had that extra hour of sleep, and they were a little bit more away. Come on, 11 a.m., do you believe this? God has called us to preach the gospel. God has called us to open up and realize that the moments are vital. The time is now. This is Save people, save people. People that have been rescued, rescue people. Charles Spurgeon says something, he says, if we do not have the desire for other people to be saved, then I wonder if we are saved ourselves. I was like, wait, hold on, little little Charles Spurgeon, wait a minute, Wait, that hurt my soul. (laughs) If we don't have the urgency and the desire to see our city saved, if we don't have the urgency and the passion... To see our city come to the feet of Jesus, then wait a minute. Do we understand the grace that saved us? Do we understand how God took us out of the pit and put us in a palace? Oh, come on. Do we understand the grace that forgave us, the blood of Jesus that washed us? When you understand his grace, we can't be passive. There's an urgency to see this city saved. In Matthew chapter 4, look what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 4, he says, come follow me. The disciples were all fishing on a lake. He says, come follow me, Jesus says, and I'll send you out to fish for." fish for people. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. I wonder if we're not fishing, then I wonder if we're following. Because if we're following Jesus, Jesus is into people. Can I tell you, God is into the soul-saving business. Jesus was what got lost when he was little and his parents came to look for him in the temple and they said, Jesus, what are you doing here? He said, I thought you knew I'm about my father's business. Oh, come on, if we're into Jesus, if this is the Jesus we're following, we know that the business he's into is into saving lives, healing lives, restoring marriages. Come on, picking up people from the dirt. This is the God that we follow. I wonder if we're in the father's business. Come on, somebody at 11 a.m. If you're in the father's business, you say, I'm praying for my city, believing God for my city, waiting for revival to hit. If we're not fishing then I wonder if we're following. Oh come on, there's nothing worse than playing a pickup game of basketball and you pick up that one guy and he joins the team And uh, you're you're there breaking a sweat, you can't even breathe, and you look over, the guy's not even playing defense or offense. Wait a minute, we're on a team. We need you to act now. This is not for spectators. This is not for people to sit back and be branch warmers. This is not for people to sit back and say, you do the preaching, pastor. You bring the people. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy. No, we need you to go and rescue people. We need you to go to every neighborhood. We need you to go to every block. Oh, come on. This is what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, if we could put it up. For we are God's co-workers in God's service. We are God's co-laborers. God wants you to join him in saving a city. God wants you to join him in the mission and vision. We are on mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all on mission. No, not, 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 not me, Pastor. Not, not, not me. Maybe, maybe, my, maybe my neighbor. I really don't know. We're all on mission. I, I, yeah, Pastor, but I don't really, I mean, I don't have enough. I don't know the gospel. I don't even know how to preach. I don't know how to scream like you. You look crazy up there. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Number two, write this down. Put it up, point number two. We already have all that we need, so the mission starts now. Oh, but I haven't even gone to Bible college. I haven't done anything. I don't really understand. I think there's a book of Noah, a book of David, a book of Abraham, and I just I'm confused. All the books of the Bible is a revelation, revelations, Genesis, Exodus, Matthew, Luke, Little John. I don't know. I get confused. Can I tell you, you don't need a Bible degree to open up your mouth and tell your neighbor that you were lost, but now you're found, that you were blind, but now you see that you were sick, but now you're healed. Sometimes I think we're just waiting on on God to give us something. He already gave you all that you need. The Spirit of God is living inside of us. The hope of glory. That's what the Bible says. You got an anointing. You got the hand of God over your life. He's called us for such a time as this. Come on, anybody believe it. Give God a shout of praise. But I don't know enough. I don't, I don't know enough. I get so nervous. I start talking to people. I start shaking. Your story is more than enough. Some of you have no idea how God wants to use you. Stop depending on a pastor or a platform. Your platform is your your workplace, your family, the people around you. God wants to use you. A couple of weeks ago, we were in the truck in the suburban, and we were driving around, being my wife, and, and all of a sudden, I mean, it was the the worst. Flat tire we've ever had. I mean that thing I mean in a moment that thing deflated we pulled over into a gas station We were able to make it and uh, the rim was on the floor I mean, it was just bad. We looked and there was a piece of metal inside the tire. I mean, It was horrible We're like my goodness. So I'm like, babe, don't worry about it. (laughs) I'm the man of the house I know how to fix this. Sorry. I started looking all over the Suburban (laughs) I started looking all over the Suburban There's nothing to fix the tire. Like there's not, there's no, there's no tools. There's no nothing. There's no, um, uh, you know what we call it, gato. Nothing, nothing's there. Nothing's there. We look at ni el gato ni el perro. Nothing, nothing was there. I know how to, trust me, I know how to change the tire. I've done it before, but, but we couldn't find it, couldn't see anything. All of a sudden, we look at the tire, and it has this, like, lock on one of the bolts. So you need to unlock it to be able to change the entire, to take the tire out and all that. So we're just, like, confused. Where's the key? We're going crazy. No lie. Half an hour has gone by for us to try to find the key, for us to try to find everything. everything. We're just going crazy. I call Luis Coriato. I'm like, hey, can you help me out? Um, I know you, you had the truck before. I mean, he's like, hey, I'll just be over there. I'm, I, I don't even know what to tell you. He gets there, 45 minutes, an hour has gone by, we're looking under the truck, we're looking over the truck, we're looking all over, my wife, no lie, she is on YouTube, looking at tutorials on how, I promise you, I promise you, we're looking all over the place, and we don't even know, Louis Grasso calls John Archer, who's worked on the truck before too, We're, 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 we're about to call Chevy and say, what have you done, are you serious, this is crazy. John Archer gets there, and all of a sudden, he opens up the middle console. And all the way deep down at the bottom, there was the lock to take out the bolt, the lock. And, every, and God, though he knew where everything was, there was, the key was deep down inside. Can I tell you that you've been waiting for God to do something in your life or to give you something to share the gospel? Can I tell you, it is already inside of you, deep down inside of your life. The Holy Spirit has already anointed you. You already have a story. You already have a gift. You already have the, the come on, the hand of God is already. What you need to do is go deep down inside your soul and say, I know what God has done in my life. I just got to pull it out and start sharing it. Stop waiting on something else. It's already in you. It is already in you. Oh, God, we need an answer. God, send somebody to Miami. God, send somebody to the United States. Is it going to be Hillary or is it going to be Trump? Oh, God, we need an answer. Can I tell you, it does not matter who sits in Washington. Real change comes when you and I begin to open up our mouth and tell people about Jesus. Washington won't change nobody. Jesus is the answer. It doesn't matter who sits in the white office. Come on, what matters is who sits on the throne. We do our part and God will do his part. I'm not saying to ignore all that. We pray and we fast and we ask God for direction. But if we're waiting on Washington, we got it confused. The answer is who sits on the throne in heaven. He is in charge. He is the answer. He's the solution. Come on. He's the only one that can save and forgive us of our sins. Oh God, I wish you would send somebody into my neighborhood. I wish you would send somebody into my workplace. Oh my God, my boss. It looks like they're about to kill themselves. They're about to get a divorce. Can you open up your mouth and share your story God wants to use? There is a key inside of you that can unlock somebody's future. Come on, God. Your pain can be healing for somebody else. Your story can bring hope to somebody else. Stop waiting for something. It's already inside of you. You don't have to know it all. Your story alone can help our city. What we need is more Christians to stand up, believe, and be bold, not sit back and say, I'm just going to wait for somebody else. No, it is you. Moses goes up to the Red Sea and says, God, what do we do here? Can you send me the same boat that that saved Noah or something? I mean, we're stuck. He says, what is in your hand? Use what's in your hand. He had a staff in his hand. I wonder if today God is saying, what is in your hand? Oh God, do something in our city. Do something for the people around us. Oh, all these problems, all these addictions, all these murders. Well, what is in your hands? I've already put something inside of you. Church, let's not wait for the next thing. Let's not wait for somebody else. The time is now. The people are us. Yes. To love our city, to help our city, to serve our city. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is already ready. You have no idea. You can open up your mouth to your co-worker To a family member and they're like I've been waiting Been waiting for so long How many people are calling Witch doctors and fortune tellers and Astrology and looking to the stars you can tell them Wait a minute I know who made the stars you can look above that He's a creator of the universe We have the answer we are on mission I pray that we Never become the type of believers that take break From the mission God has called us from Say God I need a time out God, I've been tired. I've been frustrated. Look at everything I've been dealing with. Uh, Alex, I understand, but I'm not qualified. Can I tell you, you are already qualified. Once you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you entered into the family of God. You have been redeemed. You are made righteous. If you're struggling, guess what? We all are. Welcome to the club. Oh, I'm going through some problems. Guess what? We all are. God can use you in the midst of your problems. Oh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to be a part of that because it's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, welcome. Well, we need one more. Join us. <laughs> the end of the day we're all hypocrites there's only one that's perfect and his name is jesus you are already qualified the blood of jesus already forgave you of your sins you were made righteous the day you believed in him because you believed in what he did in the cross now he's called us into service he's given us this mandate he's given us this mission and i wonder sometimes what we're doing is looking in the wrong direction maybe our focus is off maybe our eyes are closed Because we can't look around our city and pretend that there is no hurt. We can't look around our city and pretend that people are not dying. We can't look around our city and pretend that people aren't thirsty for the fountain of living water. Oh, come on, they're searching everywhere. Come on, this is the city that we know, the city that we love. And this is why we did this series. As we wrap it up today, we're going to continue with this thing on mind. We're on mission 24-7. Every single day, every single second. If I can look past what I'm going through, I can help somebody else. If I can look past my insecurities, I can help somebody else see the hope and love of Jesus. Don't wait for no pastor. Don't wait for a platform. God has given you your own platform. Church, I think what we need to do is open up our eyes. The Bible says that Jesus had compassion on the crowds. It says that he, he stood at a mountaintop and he saw the crowds and his heart was moved with compassion. I heard this term long ago and I'll never forget it. And this is my prayer all the time. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, if you saw the people and you remove a compassion and move Jesus to tears, then then God, I want to hurt when you hurt. I want to look at people the way you see people. I want to understand that I'm on mission. That the harvest is already ready. People are waiting for an answer. But are our eyes open? Are our lives open for God to use it? Point number three, with this we close and the bank can come up. There's always opportunity, so we have to stay with open eyes and open lives. Church, can I tell you, the problem isn't that there isn't opportunities. The problem is that there isn't enough laborers. Opportunity is everywhere. We talked about the horrors and evils of human traffic in a couple weeks ago, when Diana shared. We know the drug addiction, and we know how our city. It's infested with all types of evil. Opportunities are endless. Every single day, God can show us somebody who you can share the message with. But I wonder if there's enough laborers on mission to say, God, I'm in this. Use me. I don't even know how to talk. I don't even understand the whole Bible. I don't even know if I got it all together. But guess what? God can use you. God wants to use you so that we can share the gospel of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 4. Jesus had just finished talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Many of you heard that story. He shouldn't even be talking to a Samaritan woman, let alone a lady. He shouldn't be talking to a lady. She's a Samaritan lady, and he's talking to her, and he tells her what's going on in her life. She can't believe it. She's, wow, this is the Messiah. She goes off to tell people, I met the Messiah. The disciples come back, and they're worried about Jesus eating. And says the disciples urged him and said, Rabbi, eat something. (laughs) He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? I mean, did somebody run over to Chipotle really quick and bought him a bowl? I mean, I don't understand what happened. Jesus says, nah, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? He says, don't you guys say this all the time? It's still four months until the harvest. Jesus says, but I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Church, can I tell you if we open up our eyes, we will see that the harvest is ready. We will see that lives are waiting. We will see that people are hoping and waiting for an answer. I wonder if we're walking around with eyes closed, lives that are closed saying one day God maybe will send somebody. Maybe God day will will, will send somebody in the White House who's worth it. Maybe God one day will send somebody into my neighborhood that's worth it. Maybe one day God will send somebody to my workplace. Open up your eyes. The harvest is ready right now. He wants to use you. He says pray for more laborers the answer is you the answer it is inside of you the church needs to stand up go out into the harvest and say God use my life I am available he's not looking for people that are able he's looking for people that are available say God send me I'm on mission I am going Lord send me I believe that Jesus is the answer I believe that Jesus is the solution I'm going to stay on mission I'm going to run forward with the call of God over my life come on church the time is now and the people are us. It is the people of God who need to realize the urgency right now. There's no waiting for tomorrow. Somebody we know tonight might end up being the last moments of their life. Somebody we know tonight might go looking for the answer in the wrong places. Somebody we know tonight might be confused. And sometimes I think the church has always looked inside and what about my life and what about my issues and what about my things? Listen, we are already on a journey and we're to continue to read the word of God and walk by the word of God and God is going to work in us but we have to look around us. We have to look at our city and believe that God wants to do something now. And he wants to use you. He wants to use me. What can you do? Let us be a church that never forgets we are on mission. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm out of time, but all over this place, in the auditorium, on the radio, online, or in the overflow, if you're here this morning, you're saying, Alex, I understand this, but I'm far from God. I I don't know. I don't know if he wants to use somebody like me. I'm going through these habits, these addictions. I got sin in my life. If you only knew what I've been into, if you only knew what I've gone through, if you only knew the kind of mess that I'm in, even last night or last week, listen, God doesn't care. He knows the details of your life, and he still loves you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. All over this place while the church is praying, eyes closed, head bowed. Leaders, while we're praying, this is the moment to pray. If you're in here or you're on the radio, online, or outside, and you're listening and you're saying, Alex, I need God. I'm tired of living life my own way. I need direction. I want to know this God that you guys are talking about. I want to start brand new. The Bible says that all of us are sinners and sin separates us from God. This is why God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus came and he took all of your sin, my sin, all of our mistakes, all of our failures, all of our shame, and he put them on the shoulders of Jesus. Jesus carried our sin, went up to a cross, and he died for you and me. The Bible says that he died on that cross. He gave up his life on that cross. Then he went down into a grave. He was three days in that grave, but after three days... Death can no longer hold him down, neither could sin, and he overcame it all for you and for me. Jesus is alive today. He's the way to the Father. He's the answer. He's the life. Today, if you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need to get my life right. This is your day. If you're saying tomorrow, I have no idea where I'm going to be tomorrow. If I were to die tonight, I have no idea where I'm going to spend eternity. Tonight is your night. Today is your day to get right with God. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow, it is promised for no man. All over this place, while eyes are closed, heads are bowed, in a moment of privacy. Every eye closed, every head bowed, all over this place. If you say, Alex, I need to get my life right with God. I want a relationship with God. I want to start brand new. I need forgiveness of sins. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I'm going to acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand all over this place. Amazing, amazing. Keep it up, keep it up. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you and you, and you, and you, and you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else, you throw your hand up in the air. Anybody else, you want to be part of the family of God, you raise up your hand. On the radio, online, wherever you're at. All these hands that went up, I'm going to say a simple prayer. All we're doing through this prayer is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. In fact, we're all going to say it together with you. And what you're doing is talking to God the Father and inviting him into your life. And I believe that from today on, you're going to start the best relationship in the world with God your Father. All of us out loud, repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. From today on, I will follow you. I am forgiven, I am saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together? Come on, can we congratulate every single person that made a decision today to follow Jesus?